Welcome to uh, another edition of Office Hours. Uh, David is uh, in Tahiti right now. Damn. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's having a little bit of internet difficulty, but uh, uh, he may or may not be able to join us. In the meantime, uh, myself, Blaine Bartlett, and Alex, uh, the Iceman here, uh, is going to be filling in here. Um, Raul, welcome to the show. And yeah, I'm, I mean, there's a couple of things. When I saw you know, who was going to be on the show today, I was actually really quite intrigued and uh, uh, looking forward to the conversation here. Uh, part of it has to do with threads, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but also just the notion of CEO branding. I mean, just kind of you know, what all of that entails, because you're you know, actually you know, setting up uh, yourself and your organization as one of the premier branding organizations on the planet. Um, so... I think I'm going to just turn it over to you here. I do have a question, and it does have to do with the uh, the trajectory of Threads. It was launched, what, I think about three months ago, four months ago, maybe, something like that, uh, if I'm correct on that. Um, how does it you know, How is it positioned to some of the others uh, that are, you know, in, in that competitive space? And you seem to think that it's strategically positioned in a way that none of the others have been strategically positioned. Can you kind of elucidate on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it gives us this clear example of what happens when um, you have an alternative versus, versus having something in isolation. So a year ago, not that many people were in love with Mark Zuckerberg, right? But then there were a lot of concerns about Elon Musk from certain people. And so when Mark Zuckerberg provides this alternative, all of a sudden Mark Zuckerberg's a great guy, right? And we're all going to go to Fred's and we're excited about it. And it's a... Um, you know, just like a an alternative to Twitter. And I think that's why it created a lot of excitement and it got a lot of fast growth. And then people have been on it for a little while and they're like, you know, maybe this isn't as exciting as I thought it would be long term. So if we're going to have to do some updates, some ideation to keep that trajectory growing. But they are well positioned from the perspective of you have a universe of people who are not in love with the direction that X has gone now. And so it does stand really well to, to take off at another level, but we're going to have to do some ideation to keep people excited there. Yeah. I have, I have a question for you, Raul. So you're a, a uh, obviously an expert in branding. And uh, my question to you, which is really relevant to what I'm doing right now, um, how important your personal brand is in con con congregation conjunctions with your business? And what is the trend has been lately on uh, personal branding and combining it with products or services or whatever that is that your company offers? Well, I think the way to think about it is business isn't just business to business or business consumer, but it's H to H, human to human connection. And I think David knows that better than anybody. So it's really about how you develop that emotional connection, right? I have this uh, mentor of mine, Chris Collins, he says, Either you get branded or you get labeled. So are you designing your brand or are you letting it happen to you, right? Mm -hmm. And the value of that personal brand is that in an age where everyone has a corporate logo and we're all inundated with information and we don't know how to differentiate anything, seeing a CEO and what they believe in and feeling like you connect with them and what they're about is a significant differentiator, right? So think about it like NASCAR for a second. All the cars are high performing. All of them have hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars put into them. 
But what's the one difference? The driver. So as CEO, you're the driver of your business. So it does play a key role in helping you stand out more. Also the same for executives at larger companies. You can really get more position as a thought leader. And a lot of times in the media cycle as it stands today, the the media outlets know you want to promote a product, so they'll send you to the advertising department, right? But if you actually have value to your audience, then you can share something with them, and you get to talk about your company or your product anyway. Yeah. Now, there's, I, I think, an embedded, uh, what's the word I'd look out for here? Yeah, there's an embedded danger in being the brand. Yeah. The, you know, the exemplar or the symbol of the brand as, as the CEO, you know, one misstep and things kind of get a little, little, little wonky. Yeah. I did a lot of work with Starbucks. I spent about uh, six years working with them uh, at the C-suite level. And, and, and I, and I loved Howard. Uh, I just, I mean, just a, really a stand up guy, but I've been interested to, to watch what's happened in the last couple of years, uh, particularly with the, uh, the union, conversations that have been going on. Um, and I, yeah, I, and I don't have any data. I haven't talked to anybody over there right now, but it seems to me that from an equity brand, brand equity position, uh, Starbucks has taken a bit of a hit because of the way Howard has positioned himself around some things. Um, how do you counsel your clients with that being part of the, the whole branding conversation? How, how does that come into play? Yeah, I, so two things. So one, you have to make sure that when we're thinking about CEO or executive branding, it's not about ego, it's about effectiveness, right? And mm -hmm. so if you're doing it and it's coming from a place of you're boosting your own ego, then that is more likely to happen. But if you're doing it truly because it's a great way to connect with the audience and you're promoting the business and you promote other leaders and you make sure people understand there is a great team, then that prevents you from taking that fall as much. Number two, Steve Jobs was an iconic CEO and Apple's just doing great right now because Tim Cook has been very smart about it, right? So one of the things that people have to understand is this idea of CEO or executive branding. It should be institutionalized within the organization. It's not just about the one person, yeah. they're a Hall of Famer and when they go away, it's over. No, take the same approach with not just a CEO, but multiple executives so that you're getting that connection on a more focused level. So how do we turn multiple executives into industry thought leaders? When you do that, you're institutionalizing it. One part goes out, next one comes in, take the same approach. Yeah. I, I have a question for you on that to follow up. And uh, I, I typically work with uh, top level CTOs and help them with a lot of engineering and development um, needs that they have. And I've seen a recent trend that more and more CTOs started to appear on public and kind of start putting them out there. A lot of them are technical. Uh, do you have any advice for, for I, I know you mentioned other C-level positions, but it would be interesting to, to hear if you have any advice on CTO uh, putting putting their content out there and how to manage that uh, in the globe. Well, I, I think one of the things we all like the most is when a brand has a spectrum, a yin and a yang, right? And so the CTO, you expect them to just all be hyper technical and not personable, right? So if you have a CTO, they have a little bit of personality, they share that, they end up coming off relatable that is something that's going to differentiate them significantly. And that helps the company they're currently with 
And if we're at the point of our life where we're looking to advance or we're looking over opportunities, that really helps them stand out more. So I do think it's a very powerful tool, a CTO that can be in media, that can do speaking engagements, that connects with the audience, has a significant advantage. You know, Ralph, I want to go back to the continuity question. You know, we got a migration from Steve Jobs to, to Tim. Um, that, that whole, you know, this, this episode or this, you know, you know episode of uh, Office Hours, we've got three days that we work with with Office Hours here. Mm-hmm. This one was originally uh, titled The Soul of Business. Office Hours, The Soul of Business episode, or yeah. The Soul of Business edition. And it's that idea of the soul of business that I think, you know, Jobs in particular, you know, we'll just use him as an exemplar here, kind of, you know, he embodied that. And there was a tra- you know, that, that connection to what Apple stood for. Yes. And Tim has you know, actually stepped into that as well. I'm going to just check my thinking on this. Part and parcel of the branding piece is connecting to that soul that makes that that organization so unique. You can replicate just about anything else except that soul, you know, what I call the soul of the business, that unique piece that makes a difference. And if the leadership groups, groups literally embody what that soul is about, that transition, that migration, that you know, continuity uh, seems to hold up over time. Is is that a fair assessment in your experience? That is the magic in all of this, is that if I feel like the leader and other executives within a company believe so much in the business that I can see why they're there, I see that alignment, I see it the carry-through line, that is the most powerful piece of branding you can have when it seems like you have true believers, right? If it just seems people are checked out and we're just in there for money or this and that, that just tarnishes the business, right? That's that's So I, I think that's why, again, either you get branded or you get labeled because people are going to assume the jaded position. You're just there for the check. But if you end up demonstrating that you really believe in the business, you're there to help people and selling is supposed to be helping right at the end of the day. So if that is conveyed, then that is the magic. That's beautiful. (laughs) I'm glad that I was valid in that (laughs) that assumption. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's where can people find out more about where you're at here? And we just put the uh, Sharon down here. Because uh, it's a mouthful. <laughs> Ascend- yes, it is, it, it is a long title. Uh, yeah, AscendingGroupBranding.com. Uh, my Instagram's Raul Davis Brands, and then I'm easy to follow on, find on LinkedIn as well. Okay. We're going to have you back on the show when Dave is available. Uh, I mean, he's still trying to ping in. I just got a little text note here that he's yeah kind of weeding through the interference trying to get online here. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to mention is that this should all carry through on multiple levels. So PR, social, speaking, does it all carry through in the message? Do you And do you have a multifaceted strategy? That also is where the magic comes in. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bill Masalello, Masalello, Maziolo, Maziello. I butchered it completely. Masiello. It was actually Raul that I was speaking to, and I was introducing you, Phil. Yeah, Massiello. So sorry yeah. about that. That's not a problem. Okay. Uh, not the worst I, I ever heard. So how are we doing? Where are you at? And uh, what's going on with you here? Because you've got a lot of stuff that is you know, kind of on your radar right now. 
Yeah, I am. Uh, I am uh, the founder of Crunch Growth. We're a digital uh, revenue uh, acceleration agency. We're based in Baltimore. We have an office in uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan, uh, as well. Uh, but we basically help uh, any consumer product company uh, accelerate their revenue online. We're focused pr primarily on e-commerce uh, and Amazon selling, uh, Walmart selling, et cetera. So trying well, to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you've got a book that's coming out right now. Uh, that is out now. Uh, Empires and Entrepreneurs. I love this title. Empires and Entrepreneurs, How Business Shaped the World. Stories of Entrepreneurs and Entrepreneurship Throughout History. But it's how businesses shape the world. I am fascinated by this because in my experience, there is business is the most pervasive force on this planet. I mean, there is literally nothing yeah. that is not touched in some way by the activity of business. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a clam in the middle of the Mariana Trench and I've got a micro particle you know, sitting, sitting in my shell someplace. hundred percent. And it and it and it when you look at uh, historically, it's really shaped society. It's shaped yeah. uh, and I, what got me started on it, thinking about it. Uh, most of the books that I've written uh, and articles I've written are about marketing or about, uh, you know, how to accelerate sales, et cetera. And I've done some, you know, I do. I do mentor entrepreneurs and I love entrepreneurship. I founded several businesses myself and I was reading one day an article about this Egyptian um, pharaoh, Hohotep, and they were talking about how he may have been the first entrepreneur. And they were talking about how when you have to think about that time and place and he really understood how to reach out to the world using what he had at, at his at his disposal the Nile River and he had crops they were he understood how to grow things so they started he started setting up trading routes and really set up the foundation for Egypt to be successful not just in Egypt but around the world and setting up all these the, these trading pieces and that got me thinking what about other entrepreneurs so I started doing some research and looking at other entrepreneurs throughout history and what they've contributed and what they've done. And it's really interesting as you start getting into century by century, obviously we all know the, the Henry Ford stories and uh, the, the newer ones, Thomas Edison and, and uh, Rockefeller, et cetera. But when you start going back and you look at how printing was shaped and how music was shaped and how video was shaped and things like this, it all started really way back when, and it just kept building and building. So essentially entrepreneurs and business itself really shaped societies. I, I have a strategic question. Um, overall, in, in the past few years, I started to see that businesses um, some, sometimes take uh, more responsibilities than governments and they step in and start to, uh, um, do good things and uh, influence certain big uh, events that are happening around the world. Uh, what's your take on that? I, I agree. I, I think that businesses, you know, government can only do so much. Government can sort of lay down the foundation of a country and and figure out what the people need, education, and, and figure out how those things are going to work. But it's really about business that's going to create jobs that's going to create income for people that's going to allow those people to buy what they need to survive or what they want to aspire to. And that just feeds the machine. And so uh, businesses then 
can can look at things and say, well, I'm going to start to do good. I think that in the past 20 or 30 years, we've really seen businesses take on the role of trying to do better in society, trying to you know, feed people or trying to uh, a good example, I think, is is. Um, Oh God, I can't remember the name of the sock company that that uh, you know they started to provide socks to the homeless. But for every purchase you buy, or Tom's shoes, giving oh, shoes exactly. to people, and so all those things, you're you're buying a product. They're entrepreneurial. They've started a business, but at the same time, they're they're taking some of that profit and giving it back and helping society. You know, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated with this, Phil, in the sense that yeah. Uh, as an entrepreneur myself, um, and Alex, I know that you're also kind of in that domain. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, I come back to when I'm when I'm actually mentoring or, or coaching uh, somebody that is actually starting a business or it's in late stage or wherever they might be in that that early early cycle. Yeah, I invite them to you know, step back from what they're doing and ask the question: What's the purpose of our business? And I don't mean from what is it that we're selling, but what's what, what's the purpose of our business? More generically, what's the purpose of business? And I've got a hidden agenda when I ask them that question. Um, yeah, because what I'm thinking is that the purpose of business is to provide the opportunity to increase the likelihood of thriving on the planet. That's the purpose of business. And I'm going to do it through my service. I'm going to do it through my product offering. But if I don't have the opportunity, if I'm not creating the opportunity to, for people to feel like they get a chance to thrive or to excel or be better as a consequence of buying what it is that I'm selling, I deserve to go out of business. So that litmus question, litmus test question gets to be really interesting. And I've had a number of uh, uh, clients that I work with actually get flummoxed by that question. It's kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, purpose of my business is to sell a widget here, but the purpose, you know, hats off to Milton Friedman. Uh, yeah. The purpose of your business is not to make a profit. You need a profit to stay in business, but you'd better be real clear about what the purpose of business is and then specifically your business. Yeah. How does that match with what you're doing uh, with the, the uh, your growth accelerator uh, process? Well, for, for, for us, we're an agency. So we, what we're doing is executing a plan from another from another business right so right. we you know, we're working with brands to try and give them a strategy for e-commerce that's going to enable them to grow now the brand ha we we also will impart our suggestions on what that brand should be doing right and how to communicate with people and how to get your concept across or or, or you know because we're working sometimes with big brands and and it, i think a lot of times brands think, well, I donated money to this cause, so I'm okay. I donate money to this cause, but it's, it's not the same thing. You have to sort of create some sort of sustainability model, not just for your business, but for the people that work for your business, the people that are buying from your business. So we, we can't, um, we can't change their direction, but we certainly can give them guidance. Mm -hmm. uh, but the second thing that I do, I, I also mentor like you. I mentor at the University of Maryland School of Entrepreneurship. I mentor at accelerators and things. And I do something similar to what you're doing as to making them, making entrepreneurs, you know, when they're in that planning stage or even when they're first starting, what's, what's your purpose? What's, what's going to get you there? What's going to connect with the customer that's going to feel, make them feel good about using your product that's really going to benefit society yeah. or even your society? So, yeah. yeah, 
Alex, it looks like you got a question there. Um, I just, you know, uh, me as an entrepreneur and a technologist, I always launch uh, new products and uh, right about to launch a new hardware product. And uh, I'm venturing in that um, field of e-commerce and, and, and funnels and Googles and um, the ads. Is, do you have any any advice for, for people like myself launching an online product, uh, where to go and uh, what to use and kind of um, how to get started and not to uh, get lost? <laughs> I. I can tell you that each product, each each business is is sort of different, but you have to think about what is going to break through the clutter and get somebody to buy your product. Why are they going to buy your product over somebody else's product? Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do to get your message out? Because if you're going to just take money and spend it on ads, on Google ads, don't get me wrong. Google ads, Facebook ads, all that is important as a foundational tool, but that's not going to break through the clutter. Um, I, if you have time for a quick story, I'll give you a quick story about breaking yeah. through the clutter. I I founded a razor company a few years ago, and we were struggling. The first year we were struggling. We were doing what we were supposed to do. We're, we're running ads. Uh, this is back uh, about 2016, 2015, 2014, that era. And we had Facebook, but we didn't really have Instagram or anything else. And we just weren't getting over the hump. And so I, I'm a baseball fan, and I was reading that there was a pitcher um, that was going to used to pitch for, for the um, uh, San Francisco, San Francisco giants. And he got traded to the Dodgers, Brian Wilson. And he had this Epic beard and he was going to pitch for the first time in a year. He had Tommy John surgery. So what I did was I said to myself, you know, let's offer the guy a million dollars to shave with our razor. And all we really need, it's a PR stunt. All we really need is for his people to say, I'll, I'll pass it by Brian and see what he says. So we got our PR firm to send a message saying, Hey, you know, they want to, they want you to shave with your razor for a million dollars. And we got back the response. We'll talk about it. Okay. That's all we needed. So we went and, and we hit all the press. And the next thing, you know, the world blew up on us for about a couple of weeks. People were sending pictures to us on Facebook. I'll shave this body part for 10,000. I'll shave this for 5,000. And all of a sudden, every sports uh, sports news channel was interviewing us. We were all over the papers. And that pretty much launched us. And those types of things are great. It breaks through the clutter. People got a laugh out of it. Nobody, it was not damaging to anybody. Brian life loved the, the, the concept, but it went on for about two weeks. And then TMZ catches Brian Wilson coming out of a gym and asked him, are you going to shave your beard for a million dollars? And he says, I'm not shaving my beard for any amount of money. Well, it started up again because then people were outraged that this guy would turn down the million dollars, you know, to, to shave. So it took about three or four weeks that we got press all around the world. I mean, Japan, France, we were getting press everywhere. They thought we were just totally nuts. And, you know, but that launched us. That got us orders. It got us traffic to the site. It really put us on the map. So in my opinion, you have to always think outside the box and not just go for, yes, running ads and, and doing your social media. That's all foundational stuff. But what are you going to do to break through the clutter to let people know who you are and what you stand for? Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that, that whole notion of, yeah, I think it was Jeff Bezos that said that, yeah, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good so, story. Thank you. That is a great story, and I I actually remember that 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 whole thing. I was going, what are these guys doing? 
Yeah, it was funny. Eight hundred razor dot com. Yeah, it was funny. It was a it was a it was a great thing to do, but it really it set the tone for who we were. We were a little bit different, and people people loved us, you know. And 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 uh, we really built a good relationship with our with our customers. Yeah. Oh, great, Phil. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we can find you at. Uh... Crunch Growth Revenue Acceleration Agency. That's going to go up in the Sharon here in just a moment. Um, uh, where else can people find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, crunchgrowth.com or philmassiello.com. Either one. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that Dave wasn't able to get a connection to come in and, uh, and enjoy this this conversation. I'm, I know he would have had a couple of things to say about uh, eight, what, you know, 800razor.com. I absolutely know he would have said something about that. 100%. So we'll have you back on one of the other shows here you know, with, with David, one of us as well. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I am probably going to steal your thought on how you approach entrepreneurs. So I'll credit you for it, but I am going to I am going to use that uh, that thought process. So. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will. Thank you. Me. Yeah, that's flattery. Flattery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Absolutely. I enjoyed you, it. you take care. Oh, that was good stuff. I love that. That was amazing. Yeah. Good story. <laughs> That's a great story. And speaking of stories, yeah, hospitality is steeped in stories. And this is our next guest here, Andy McNeil, CEO of AMI. What are you, probably the largest uh, travel uh, hospitality organization on the planet. And you guys do some incredible work. You're 100, you know, over 100 plus countries, I think, that uh, you're you know, positioned in. And I, yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day. I've, I've got about five and a half million air miles. Um, which uh, can I have some? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I need another airplane ride, like I need a hole in my head. Uh, but when I get on the ground, I've always got to go find some place to, you know, when I was doing a lot of work with Nokia, Phil, uh, Andy, uh, uh I, I spent a lot of time in Helsinki, and this is back in the uh late 90s, early 2000s, and I would uh, stay at the Intercontinental. and. I, I love staying at the Intercontinental, not because of what it was. I mean, it was it was a hotel, but I would walk in. They knew my name. I mean, I'd been going in there for you know, probably about five years at that point in time. They gave me the same room every time, so it was kind of like there's my room, and I'd walk in. Yeah, and it wasn't Mr. Bartlett; it was Blaine. Your your room is ready. And then I go down to the uh, the restaurant, and then you know, they would know that I was coming in, and they, they knew what meal I was going to, it was a limited menu. They knew what meal I wanted. I mean, it was just an amazing experience. And I remember that so profoundly. It was kind of like, I'm being taken care of here. This is good stuff. That's and what hospitality is all about, Blaine. That's absolutely. All about. Yeah. So you've got, um, you know, we're going to talk about this. You got a little gift that you want to provide some folks. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about that near the end of the interview here. But yeah, your book everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I got five and a half million air miles. I just literally got back from you know two weeks in Africa and a week in Dubai. Um, yeah, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> that whole song comes back up to play here. Yeah. What's what's the yeah you know, the the theme of the book? What are you looking to land in the in the messaging in your book? So uh, AMI, we're a, a, a global corporate meetings and events firm. So we take our clients and their attendees all 
all over the world. And, you know, really our message is about uh, hospitality and your ability to provide hospitality in any part of your, in, in any type of business uh, and really focused on those extra special touches that really set you apart from a point and doing that through events is just a fantastic way to do it and so we have a we have a book called destination everywhere uh you can go to destinationeverywhere.com, which is also our podcast and that's really um a, a book that shows all the places where you can have incredible experiences all over the world from a business perspective you know taking using meetings and events um from a b2b perspective to get to your end goal, whatever that is, whether it's education, whether it's selling a product or service, you know, we've all put on events, but there's a very special way to do it till you really can drive sales and drive engagement with the most important people in your, uh, in your universe. Yeah. I have a question. So uh, in the corporate world, uh, how often a a company should, should do those offsites and, and travel and what benefit it gives to the company? um for for the culture and uh just uh, getting it getting it out there outside to the events and uh and just yeah absolutely you know after all of us have just went through covid and having to deal with being on virtual all the time and virtual has a really really great place in every marketing strategy i firmly believe that but listen there's no there's nothing like sitting across from somebody and giving a handshake and having a a great dinner with them or a great event with them. That's really what makes a difference. So to answer your question, Alex, I think it's as much as possible, as much as uh, your business needs it. It's uh, what I found over the last 30 years in the business. It is the number one way to drive revenue and growth is establishing those close relationships and having experiences with the people that are most important to you. Now, how do you do that? You can do that from an educational standpoint, have great content for them, uh, or you can have a great experience for them or both, uh, whatever, whatever the strategy is. So we work with our clients to develop those strategies and then execute them to make sure that, you know, we're impacting the bottom line or whatever that, that, that end goal is, uh, for, for the brand. And, you know, you can do it lots of different ways. You can do it through sales meetings. You can do it through educational seminars. You can do it through uh, focus groups and customer engagement. All those strategies are open up to any business. And so really, while you're looking at your business, you're like, what, what am I trying to deliver? And what value add can I bring to my, uh, my attendees and my customers uh, that, 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 that will move that needle and, um, and, uh, and you'll win, you'll, you'll be in a, in a winning, in a winning strategy. You know, That's beautiful. I, yeah, it is. I love that. It's yeah. The, 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 the focus on experience, um, absolutely is something that I think, I mean, I, and I've been to a lot of dry meetings. <laughs> <laughs> me too. We've been around uh, the block a few times. Yeah. Me too. It's yeah. Just, yeah, and COVID really sh- sh- shined a huge light on that, right? We all try to, to become executive producers now. Obviously, you guys have a, a first-class setup here, but, you know, we were all trying to do it, you know, from our, you know, from our homes and our basements. And it really, uh, I think it really shone a light on experiential marketing, whether it's live or virtual. It really showed us that everyone had to get really, really good at it. And um, I think everyone's an expert now in virtual, uh, but live is, you know, I believe where it's at. And we've, seen a, a, we've seen a complete... 180 um, from COVID. I mean, uh, no one wants to do virtual anymore. I mean, we're doing it with our clients, but everybody wants to be in front of their in front of their customer. Um, yeah. And the best way to do that is through uh, meetings and, like you're talking about, experiential marketing. 
what's i'm just really curious here and this is a selfish question on my part <laughs> but what's one of the most unique experiences that you've actually you know helped put together for and you don't need to name the client uh but just what you know the 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 experience it just kind of stands out for you it's kind of like whoa that was really cool well i think you know the, the so obviously um especially in america conferences and trade show and congresses have been you know they're really the best way to enact with potential uh, customers from a, an experiential marketing. So being on site and using technology, uh, we were lucky enough to work with Salesforce uh, yeah. with their top customers in Vegas um, over a course of 10 years. We did some really exciting experiential stuff. Um, a, a lot of it had to do with food and keeping people uh, uh, libated up, I'll, I should say, libated time, and really using technology libated. to up the experience. Whenever you can use technology to, uh, you know, create an atmosphere of um, energy and excitement, um, and you can do that lots of different ways, from you know, avian production to yeah. uh, bringing in um, uh, all different sorts of technologies uh, with video um, holograms. We've done a lot of work with holograms, and you know. Uh, uh, bringing in uh, celebrities and experts and business leaders through hologram technology, which kind of really just blows people away. Yeah. So lots of ways to do it. And there's, there's, there's some, just, just a few examples. Yeah. Just again, curiosity, uh, the sphere in uh, Vegas. Uh, yeah. Are, are you, are, are you kind of leaning in that direction to see what you might be able to do with that? Well, I'm actually, sure. Technology is just, you know, it just keeps exploding and in our business. Um, there's always something new. So the sphere itself, which, you know, takes the, um, you know, to just takes the use of video and experience and the experience to a whole new level, yeah. but also using the technology of the, the shape of the building and the stage itself to, you know, pull everybody into it. And I just think you're going to see more and more of that. You know, there's been lots of things that have been done, you know, on stages temporary, but nothing that was like a, you know, a full, a full experience that's there. And I haven't been yet. Don't know if you have been, but I, I hear it's just incredible. Yeah. Alex, you, you get the last of the No, last I think, I think I, right. So um, I, I think I just still uh, will do the comment and then maybe um, Andy, you can kind of pick, pick up on that. I think when, when you do that person to person um, relationship and meetings, it, 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 it uh, vibrates on a certain frequency in which it's hard to translate that frequency through um, online medium. So, Face-to-face -face now um, is, is really fortunate. And I, I know with the use of technology, it helps us to breach that gap. Uh, but I'm, I'm still a strong believer that face-to-face -face, uh, brings more um, more angles to conversation. And yeah, just, uh, and when you're asking for people, for, when you're asking for business, you know, it's really hard for them to say no when you do it the right way in front of them, right? And you can establish a relationship. You get that body language. You understand it. You know, you understand where they're coming from. Um, and and you can even tell whether they're the decision maker or not, kind of how they they present themselves and, and how they respond. So that's really really hard to do in virtual. So you know, live I mean, uh, from an experiential standpoint, um, you can do just so much more. And um, and the world is out there. Everyone's doing meetings again, and uh, we're having a blast doing it. You know, reaching the customers through meetings and events is, uh, in my opinion, the best way to do it. I love it. I love it. Andy, thank you so Great. much. Andy McNeil, CEO of AMI. Uh, you can find out more about them at AmericanMeetings.com as well as uh, our favorite hotels.com. And uh, we've got that up there on the Sharon. Okay, good. So 
David wasn't able to drop in, and I think that you probably got the message that he's in Tahiti and he was having internet difficulties. Good for him. Good for him. That dog. I just kind of wait a minute. Uh, so we're going to get you back on another show with us, and uh, we'll get David involved with it too. But Andy, thank you very much. I love this thank conversation. You. I love great. it. Great. I appreciate the time, guys. You guys have a great night. Thank you. You betcha. Yeah. Take care. Great. What a wonderful <sighs> guest. Ah, I loved it. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me, Alex, you know, that branding kind of ran through all three of these you know, in a very interesting way. Whether I brand through experience or I brand, you know, just kind of how do how does that brand come through? I brand through soul. I brand uh, just through just, you know, branding. I, I agree. And you combine all three and you get the secret, secret formula of success, right? It's not just one or the other. It's all three coming together in person events marketing you at e-commerce you get virality virality of a certain shaving you know 800 razor um <laughs> and things and uh story. and then you just yeah it's a great story yeah I mean, I mean, i'm just actually really pleased to, to to have uh you know met him because i really i remember that campaign really well it was kind of, i was having a ball with it, it was kind of, god these guys are crazy this is cool stuff and it stuck right. out. It stuck out. Yeah, yeah. And it was pre TikTok, I guess, right? So it was. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was harder to. It was harder to uh, to to get to that uh, to that scale. So. Perfect. Well, uh, David always closes with a takeaway here. So what what's uh, what's your takeaway from uh, uh, our time together here today? I think my takeaway, the main takeaway that I. I just uh, would actually write down and start taking actions on myself is uh, personal branding is, is, is vital throughout the company. Not only just for me as a CEO of a tech consulting company, but also translate that to all other layers. And uh, when you apply that to events, speaking engagements, uh, and bring together your thought leaders within the company to speak at those events in person and, and combine it with e-commerce and marketing uh, marketing campaigns uh, that creates a success formula. So you're just really attacking all the channels, and um, I think talking to more more of your executive level C, C level executives and putting them out there and start putting them out there in personal face to face events uh, is really the key that I will just take it uh, in my playbook and start doing. Yeah, that's good. How about yourself? Uh, for me, I think it's yeah the the focus on experience. I mean, you know, and I mentioned this that. You know, the purpose of business is to provide the opportunity to thrive, you know, you know, and and that's experience based. I mean, the, how do I feel about me when I'm in the presence of your product or your service? Yeah, do I feel excited? Do I feel uplifted? If I can land that experience, whether it's through an articulated brand or through it's my beingness as a leader, you know, the presence I tap into the soul of the business or th literally through designing an experience. Yeah, that brings people together. Um, that whole you know, dynamic of experiencing life, experiencing the brand, experiencing the product, yeah, it touches me and it moves me and it gets me connected to what's going on. So that's the takeaway is yeah, just you know, keen towards key. experience. Yeah, that's the key. Experience is everything and product that really, as long as the product high quality experience is, is all that matters. Yep. Perfect. Well, uh, this brings us to a close here. Um, and you can connect with me at blainebartlett.com. Thank you, Blaine Parrish, uh, for putting that up there. And you can get more about Alex's company at genium at genium.com. 
Um, I'm not sure if David, if he's in uh, in you know, Reluca uh, or Gigi, you can let me know about this. Uh, is Friday happening? Yeah, Friday, you know, the Friday session is that happening? Yes, tomorrow we're going to be on for the 7:30 a.m. Uh, okay. Pacific time. Yes, thank you. Good. Wanted to be sure that we got that in there. So. David, we'll see everybody at Friday at 7.30 Pacific. Okay. And Alex, thanks. Love doing Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me in. That was insightful and thoughtful and very, very good being in the room with you. Thank you. You as well. You take care. We're take out of care. here, folks. Bye.